Thank you for tuning in. My name is Amber, and this is Skin Fessions, Confessions of an Esthetician. I am excited to share this conversation with Isaac White, licensed acupuncturist. Isaac and I have fantastic offline conversations, and these little tidbits that we bring in today really help to grasp the concept that he and I share about how the body heals and how it processes and how you can get the best results for combating stress patterns. And he will touch later on the patterns that he sees in his patients. And also what you can do as a simple technique in your daily routine to help negate some of the effects of those common stress patterns. I am excited that you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Please enjoy this conversation with Isaac and I. Welcome, welcome to an episode of Skinfessions, Confessions of an Esthetician. I am super excited about today's episode. I am joined by Isaac White, and I'm going to give a quick bio on Mr. White. Uh, well, as quick as I can make it, it actually is pretty robust. And then I am excited for him to share some information about acupuncture. Isaac White is a licensed acupuncturist. He is owner and clinic director of Foothills Acupuncture in Lakewood, Colorado. He is a Colorado licensed and national board certified acupuncturist. He holds a master's degree from Colorado School of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He is a diplomat of acupuncture certified by the National Commission for the Certification of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. Say that five times fast. He is certified in clean needle technique. He has a pre-med at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And then, as if that's not enough, he holds a bachelor's in music performance from the University of Northern Colorado and a master's in music performance from the Cleveland Institute of Music. Welcome, Isaac. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited for our conversation, and I would love to hear a little bit about you and how you became an acupuncturist and what you think about the world. Well, thank you, Amber, for, for having me today. Um, to answer your question, uh, how did I get into acupuncture? It's kind of one of those uh, convoluted stories, perhaps. Um, I didn't start on the path to get into acupuncture. In fact, uh, my life uh, my life shifted right around 2008. Um, I was very much uh, in the world of professional music, uh, doing professional classical music. Uh, I'm not doing the gig scene, essentially. <laughs> and um, I don't know, 2008 was really revealing as far as uh, economic times, and so uh, music doesn't uh, pay the bills very well in a hard economy. So, <laughs> went the the basically went back to school. Um, I was originally going back to school, went to CU, did the pre-med, I was going to become an osteopath. And um, so I did the pre-med, um, started my applications, I was applying to a uh, the one school in Colorado because I didn't want to move co from Colorado. And um, I don't know, I didn't get past a, a certain, uh, the second round of interviews, and then I was going to reapply again. And something kind of stopped me. Um, I guess I realized that I, I didn't like half the scope of practice of osteopathy. And um, I figured that it wasn't, wasn't the path for me. So hmm. I uh, 
I originally had a plan to do osteopathy and then to to go into acupuncture, and this was due to a due to a, a couple doctors that I had met um, just previous to my shift into medicine, and they were both osteopaths. One was an osteopath homeopath, and then um, uh, this lady's husband was also osteopath and acupuncturist. And through talking with them, um, I was interested in um, acupuncture and osteopathy. So. I figured I was going to do the, the osteopathic path and then do the acupuncture path afterwards, but um, I don't know, I just didn't, I didn't align with the full scope of practice with osteopathy, and so I looked into acupuncture. That's great. And um, pretty much it was uh, an interview later, and, and the rest is history, I guess. Oh, that's cool. So you didn't necessarily pick acupuncture, it sort of picked you. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it definitely wasn't... Um, it wasn't a direction that I thought I was going to go. <laughs> That's cool. And yeah. I have to say, I want to insert a little bit here. The way I know you, Isaac, is because I walked over, and I don't know if you remember me saying this, I basically said, I'm perfect and my body is fine. I don't need any work. <laughs> I just want to be able to refer my patients to someone and I want to see your methodology and if it makes sense for me to refer patients because skin works so in tunely with the rest of the body, I run into people coming in with certain conditions or ailments, and a lot of times it's out of my scope of practice, mm. and so I'll refer out. And so I came over to you thinking I was just fine and I didn't need any work, and lo and sure. behold, you found all sorts of things that I needed to work on. <laughs> well, uh, often, um, and I've, I've discovered this through, through practice and just uh, the years I've done it here, um, often we have we have a lot of imbalances that we kind of live with on a on a day to day basis, and often I think that they don't have to uh, they don't have to exist, but we we accept them as being an okay reality, and so mm-hmm. we we just live with our our ailments, if you will, um, and when we start to address them, or if uh, um, like through acupuncture or maybe some other treatment, uh, if you start to address it, then you start to realize like, oh, I don't actually, or I'm not actually uh, 100% healthy. You know, you might feel that, you might have the the mental thoughts and you might feel mentally like, yeah, I feel great, but your body might not be at that same level. So, huh. and and I, I have personal experience that totally makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Uh, and I had a great diet so, th- so far that I thought, and you helped me realize that just because you eat well doesn't always mean that you digest it. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of brings me to my next question is to what patterns do you typically see? Is, it something, is what I have very typical or do you see kind of a pattern in most patients? And why do you think those, those patterns exist? I would say, um, and in fact, I've, I've been trying to check myself in the last few weeks to make sure that I'm not getting a tunnel vision and seeing one pattern, but mm-hmm. there is a pattern that I predominantly see in, I would say, 90, 95% of my patients, and that's, it, wow. for lack of a better term, I call it a stress pattern, and it's the way that people take on their life stress and how it affects the body, and... I see it as a primary driver to most of the current problems that people uh, come to see me for. It's usually a 
often people come to see me for secondary problems, such as a digestive issue, or they're having headaches, or something else, a, a fatigue, or, or chronic pain often. Hmm. And what I find is that Yes, they have that imbalanced pattern, and um, they're feeling those signs and symptoms of, of whatever that, that issue is, but um, often it's due to they're, uh, they're stressed, essentially, and mm-hmm. their body is reacting to the stress in their lives by creating these signs and symptoms. Um, and I guess it's a little bit more complex than that, but in, in a basic nutshell, that's, that's what it is. Stress is causing other problems, and... Uh, um, and that's really what I see. And then the other 5 to 10% I see are just people and their injuries. You know, yeah. someone got into a car wreck or they fell. And so you're dealing with that kind of uh, post, post-recovery. That's interesting. And I guess my next question would be, how, how do you recognize those stress patterns? I know you said it sounds like it's very common. Um, you, you've recognized it in me. Uh, and you said that I hold my stress in my... Um, diaphragm area my digestion mm-hmm. is that something you see commonly and how do you know I feel like you pinpointed it so quickly when you, when you were working with me but how do you know that a lot of it is really um through assessment okay. uh, I feel that uh through the Chinese medical lens um I'm able to recognize patterns and that's really my goal as a as an acupuncturist or as a, a tcm or a traditional chinese medical practitioner is to recognize patterns mm-hmm. um, i guess i should say that my goal is not to fix anybody not to heal anybody it's um i don't believe that's possible in fact i've got the belief that there are no actual healers out in the world like like we think of them we um, often have this notion, I believe, that uh, we think of our doctors, our practitioners as, as healers for us. And the fact of the matter is I don't see evidence that that's true. Um, I see the evidence uh, that the only person healing in in my treatment room is the patient themselves. Wow. And um, me as a practitioner, uh, I am only a facilitator to allow that patient to have the best odds to heal themselves. And um, I use my knowledge, my skills, uh, my training to hopefully get the patient to align and, and rebalance so they can um, find that healing mechanism and, and find a better result for themselves. I love that approach. I have a very similar approach with skin. You know, I, I'm not the one that fixes you. Your body does the work and we use tools. And I really appreciate that. And that's something I think uh, you and I resonate well on, which is part of the reason most of my patients I send and refer to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really resonate with that. I like that that approach. Could you walk us through a typical treatment? Where do you place the needles? How do you figure out how to place the needles? I know you've read pulses before. What mm-hmm. are you looking for in that case? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, let's see. I'll, I'll kind of just walk through a, a typical initial treatment. So before the treatment starts, I'll have you fill out the, the initial paperwork in, in which just basically give me as much history as possible. My goal is to figure out as much information from you, the patient, um, as I can within a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> um, so I ask a lot of questions. And through that questioning, I, I'm able to formulate based upon my training through Chinese medicine to recognize certain signs and symptoms to fit certain patterns. And then I'll treat those patterns accordingly to, to what I've been trained for. 
So typically, if you if you come into my office, I'll bring you back to the room, and then we'll have a pretty good conversation initially. Uh, often it's a, a good half hour, 45 minutes of talking about you. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, of course, you come in usually for something, um, a chief complaint. And so I want to know all about that chief complaint. Like, why did it happen? Like, what what are you feeling? What kind of uh, situations led up to that, that chief complaint happening? Um, for instance, injury, you know, some obvious things. Did you fall? You know, accidents. Um, yeah. the, why does your arm hurt? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, you busted up in a ski wreck. Sure, that makes sense. Where it becomes interesting is, uh, for instance, if there's a, a pattern which there's not a good reason for. And often people come to me because they haven't found the, the answers that they, they want to, well, they want to get better, and they yeah. haven't found those answers yet. They've gone to the Western allopathic, as, uh, they've got the testing, and nothing's tested out. They're still in the dark. What I feel like Chinese medicine has the lens for is to be able to see well, if there are tests, to be able to incorporate those tests because they are more information to to help formulate a recognition of a pattern, then the lens of Chinese medicine is a, a little bit more expansive because we're not going for any specific signs and symptoms per se. It's it's a group of signs and symptoms that create a certain diagnosis, if you will. And that's, that's to say, I guess... Uh, any medical practice kind of does that. It's like, yeah, you, you gather your information, then you try to diagnose a certain a certain thing. I just think that the, the Chinese medical lens uses some some different things that uh, that don't require tests, that don't require your scans. And it's not to say that that I can't use those tests. Um, absolutely, blood work, great. I yeah. love to I love to see blood work. X-rays, great. I love to see X-rays. If you have an MRI, sure. Yeah, that's another indication of what's going on. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like they're only tools, only only bits of information, and ultimately, they all have to combine to formulate. Yeah, where are you at? What what's going on? Yeah. And through this um, recognition of patterns, often the the issue at hand, such as like a, a pain or you got a digestive complaint. That's usually a sign and symptom of the underlying pattern, which, like I said, originally was often stress. So, <laughs> And it doesn't have to be just stress. There are other patterns in Chinese medicine. But in this day and age, that's what I see. The primary thing that I see in, in my patients is that they're stressed out. And that's because life is stressful, I suppose. <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. About 10 years ago, I... I would always tell people, you know, oh, you know, I've been through adrenal fatigue and I'm not scoped to be able to diagnose that. Mm-hmm. But I would see these consistent patterns where it seemed like people were running into the same issues over and over. And I don't know that adrenal fatigue is, is necessarily the right term for it, but it was something that I had experienced many, many years ago. And and now I'm seeing it continue, but it sounds more and more like it's these stress patterns and people hold them in different areas. And, yeah, and absolutely. I think our, our lifestyle, our modern lifestyle is such that that we live in a world of stress. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of perpetuated that way. I think we have our, our, our daily stresses of just trying to live and work in life. And there's a, a, a system that we have to fit ourselves in. You know, we have to make money, of course, you know, because yeah. that's the system. We have to do these certain tasks according to our society. We have to fit into our society. Mm-hmm. And modern society is very different than 
guess the the societies that traditional Chinese medicine was based on. Uh, I mean, Chinese medicine supposedly has the the history of two to five thousand years uh, in the making. So, when you look at two thousand years ago, they were not dealing with the modern things that we deal with. Um, they were probably Absolutely. dealing with trying to just find basic needs, uh, mm. food, um, shelter, and then they're trying not to get eaten by something, you know? <laughs> um, maybe 2,000 years, it wasn't quite as dire, but yeah, still they had to watch out for tigers and things like that. Yeah. The old stresses were not the same as the modern stresses. Today, we stress ourselves out so much because we I have a belief that we put ourselves into ideas that are not necessarily our own. Essentially, we're I see a, a problem with where we're being told all the time that we're not good enough. Mm. And that's stressful. <laughs> Nobody wants to be not good <laughs> enough. And we are. We're told by everything out there if you have any technology, really. And that's probably the, the catalyst to a lot of this is, or the, the, I don't know, the vector perhaps to that that information gets delivered to us. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if you look at all the advertising, basically tells you you're not good enough unless you have their product, you know. <laughs> but really, it's you're not you're not smart enough. You're not fit enough. You don't eat the right food. You don't drive the right car. You don't live in the right area. You don't have the right ideas. You don't, I don't know, you don't do the right thing, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately you know people do that to each other and that's that's fair but people also have compassion for each other and that's where i think the balance is Mm. but we're being run by corporations that have no compassion for that and so it's it's like a constant thorn in our sides and it stresses us out it forces us into these patterns of life that are really stressful we've got to do all these things and and often and i fall into this line of thinking all the time it's like oh, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. Mm. You know, we, we might watch the Instagram reels or whatever, or, or we get into the social media reels, and we see, like, all these people doing these amazing things, and you're like, God, I, I haven't done any of that. You know, <laughs> or it's like, I haven't even thought about whatever that is you're doing over there. And, and while it's great and it's interesting, it also is, is hard, to, mm. hard to sit with if that's... Uh, it, well, the see over and over, I think, stresses out. Like, oh, I better be doing something or else or else I'm not good enough, yeah. essentially. That's an interesting perspective. And I do feel like the people that I find who, and this is, you know, across the board, in clinic and out with friends and family, the people who tend to have the most stressors and pull on the most stress and adhere to these structures within within their daily life those are the people who also say, I don't have time for acupuncture. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time for exercise and all that. Yeah. And they're probably the ones who need it the most. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. And it's hard. I, I guess I'm, I'm totally digressing from your question. but nope. uh, I love it. But yeah, I guess to, to wrap that idea up, it's we try to force ourselves through the round hole when we are the square pegs, you yeah. know, and we do it every day and we kind of crunch ourselves into these situations and they're unnatural and our bodies become imbalanced uh, Mm. because of those situations often. Well, and then I guess to kind of loop back, how do you find that placement of needles or you've read my pulses in the past and you always read my right arm and my left arm, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you find different things in clinic that you can help to relieve some of that external stress or maybe those patterns that we've developed? 
so yeah, it starts out kind of I, I try to figure out, yes, what is the what's the chief complaint? Yeah. And then from there I, I start to assess. I try to find as many assessment tools and that's where things like uh, outside scans, you know, you the things that people come in with, their mm-hmm. their information, that's always helpful. But I'm really quite, I'm not, hands-on to a certain extent. I like to feel pulses. I will look at your tongue, and those are all indicators. Uh, um, if it's an injury thing, I like to get my hands on the injury. What do I feel? Like, what mm. do the muscles feel like? Uh, is there palpable pain? Um, and then I like to see you move. Like, does, is there a range of motion issue? And some of these things often will be incorporated even if it's not a pain thing so for instance let's say you've got a digestive issue and you've come in with a a stomach problem of course i'll I'll probably do a little bit of palpation maybe in the 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 stomach region or i'll ask a lot of questions like what's going on you Mm -hmm. know but then i will i will i'll assess certain areas of the body where i think that that the stomach systems lie essentially Mm -hmm. or the digestive systems lie and that's through through the the training of uh, acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine, they have the belief that there are points on the body that, uh, what we call the acupuncture points, I guess, uh, and they they show up on certain parts of the body in certain areas that, I guess, scientific scans have seen them as uh, areas of lack of better description of higher energy, if you will. Okay. Um, so these acupuncture points are related to, within the, the theory of Chinese medicine, to systems, systems um, that often relate to the organs of the, of the body or the internals of the body. For instance, there's the stomach, or there's the stomach system, there's the spleen system, which is also a digestive system within uh, Chinese medicine. And so to, I guess to answer the question is I... I take the chief complaint. I try to figure out what systems are involved with that chief complaint. Mm-hmm. And then I scrutinize to confirm um, yes or no that, yes, that, that problem is in that system or no, it's not in that system. Yeah. And so I'll use assess, uh, assessment tools such as taking pulse, looking at the tongue, doing palpation, um, having people move, and then uh, a huge uh, conversation part uh, and there are parts where I ask a lot about well of course history uh, accidents you know you get in a car accident you fell downstairs whatever uh, yeah. those are always impactful but also I'm, I'm really heavily invested on on your emotions hmm. where do the emotions go because I see plenty of evidence that that the emotions have as great of an impact on the body as if you were to have fallen down the stairs, per se. Okay. So, and it's because, in fact, I think emotions can sometimes have a greater impact because we don't we don't deal with them in a healthy way in our society. We don't have tools to deal with our emotional imbalances. Uh, so they build up and they become imbalanced in great ways, and they have the ability to have huge impacts on the body when the emotions become imbalanced. And I often call imbalanced emotions as a stress pattern, mm-hmm. and they have more specific designations um, for the patterns. Um, but yeah, overall, it's, yeah, your body's stressed, and it's not necessarily due to a physical thing, but it's an emotional thing causing physical problems per se. I guess with the assessment, yeah, I try to figure out as many indicators because the body will tell you or you the patient or um, me as a practitioner, it, it's always letting you know what's up. And uh, I will say that the patient always knows what's mm. wrong. And for anybody to tell a patient 
what they're feeling more than they know they're feeling is the I think incorrect, you know. <laughs> so because people know themselves yeah. and there's nobody that knows themselves more than themselves, I guess. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, there's so when people come to me and they they're trying to describe things, it's like they know what's wrong. Yeah. And it's my job to try to interpret what they're telling me, their signs and symptoms, yeah. and to translate those into something that I could recognize as a treatable pattern um, based upon my knowledge within uh, uh, Chinese medicine in this case. And that totally makes sense, and I do want to interject a little bit here mm -hmm. because um, I've talked about bowel movements more than with you <laughs> than I think I've ever talked about in my life. Absolutely. And I didn't realize that there were, like you said, there's signs and their feedback. Mm -hmm. It's your body's feedback. Yeah. And also, I so far that I've understood from um, our conversations, we have excellent conversations <laughs> offline, and I'm yes. so glad that this conversation is rolling the way that it, it is. You just naturally go into a space that I just think is so great. I truly appreciate that, and I hope as a listener this is valuable to you as well. Uh, one, one little anecdote I would love to kind of interject here is that I came in uh, – once this was probably six months ago or so and I said mm -hmm. I have lower back pain on my right side and I laid down and you put needles in between my knuckles on my left hand mm -hmm. kind of like Wolverine it was perhaps the creepiest thing I've ever had done <laughs> <laughs> but it was almost instant Isaac and then just within the treatment I felt relief and then when I left it didn't come back and I was so impressed because back pain can be such a cruel cruel thing yeah <clears throat> excuse me uh, as far as pain is concerned or just any imbalance it's it's really it is truly that the body's holding itself in an imbalanced way um, with pain it's usually just it's out of sorts and it's pushing on things that don't want to be pushed on essentially mm. With that treatment, it's what we call a distal needle acupuncture treat, okay. essentially treating the body in an indirect way. So I was treating your low back through your left hand, essentially. And mm -hmm. what I've discovered and uh, what people in the acupuncture community have discovered, that the body is is not as linear as we're taught in, in the kind of Western sense. When I went through the pre-med, I I remember going through anatomy and physiology, and um, it was very much uh, a linear process. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I remember the upstream processes, like, oh, yeah, this process here that you're dealing with it has five components that happened before. And a lot of times things are looked at that as in these singular linear processes. Like, I remember in chemistry, it's like, yeah, you have this chemical formula that goes from left to right or whatever. Yeah. That's how we read it, at least. And, uh, hmm. and yeah, um, but the body is not a linear body. Uh, yes, we track it linearly because that's how we have to do it to understand it. It's because it's so complex. But the body itself is a, it's a chaotic entity. And I don't know if anyone here knows chaos theory. Um, I, I will not admit to knowing anything really about <laughs> chaos theory. But I do know some of the basic fundamentals of chaos theory. And one of the things from chaos that they say is from chaos comes order. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of what, for those who don't know the kind of setup of chaos theory, it's basically chaos theory is theory trying to explain 
when you have so many processes happening all at once uh, that it seems chaotic, like there's no rhyme or reason or order. But what scientists have discovered uh, is that through chaotic processes, even though we can't track them because we only have a, an understanding often in a linear sense, it's like trying to track forces, we can only do one or so many, but when you have a trillion forces uh, put all together, it's impossible to track. No way to really figure that out, or at least that I've seen. I'm sure there's people out there that have, have knowledge <laughs> how to do this much better. But essentially, uh, people would say that that's a chaotic process. There's no order to it. Yeah. But through time of processing of that, that chaotic process, there becomes an order, an ordering that happens. So they say from chaos comes order. And there's pictures, for instance, like Mendelbrot pictures, uh, where they show these intricate chaotic designs, um, but they're these ordered patterns that are usually repeated patterns. And you look at a small part of the picture, and then uh, it looks like the big picture um, all yes. in, uh, in just that one small part. And in a nutshell, that's what the body is. The body is a chaotic process in order. And I, I looked this up, and I even did a post about it, that yeah. you have seven octillion atoms, uh, seven with 27 zeros after it. That's what makes up your body. And all seven octillion of those are, if you can imagine, each one of those atoms has like a net force that's pushing in some direction. And forces, as far as I understand it, are um, additive and destructive to each other. So they can combine and create a greater force, but they can also act in, uh, in an opposite direction and, and reduce that force. Okay. And so if you have seven octillion of these things with their forces in so many directions, it, you would think that, oh yeah, that's totally chaotic. There's no rhyme or reason. But they all combine, they add, subtract, and your body is what they get. That's the combination of all seven octillion of those. Yep. And the fact that we don't fall apart at any one point in time <laughs> or explode in a small nuclear reaction is uh, kind of amazing, I think. So <laughs> to go back toward the distal needle acupuncture, because the body is a chaotic system, it repeats itself. And it creates these uh, repeated parts, or what we call in, in acupuncture microsystems, that you can absolutely treat the microsystem yep. to treat the whole body. Oh. Um, for instance, uh, I could use your ear to treat your whole body. The ear reflects pretty much the whole body in a, in a particular image and has nerve connections that will connect to other parts of the body all through the ear. Oh my gosh, that's cool. For your treatment for the back, going through your, your left hand, and there are those spaces in the knuckles, for instance, are looked at as like a, one is like an upper space, one is a middle space, and then there's one that's a lower space for your back. And, and yes, they have connections to, well, in this case, the low back. But it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Because it is chaotic process and it repeats several times, it treats your low back, but it also treats the other corresponding parts that are also involved in this. So... Often when I treat like a back issue in a distal needle way, it fixes other things too. Like it'll fix digestive stuff. It'll fix like someone's neck stuff. And, and really the way I look at it is like when something becomes imbalanced, several things become imbalanced at once because it is all this chaotic process and it's going to show up in, in different areas all at the same time kind of. Which would explain why it's hard to pinpoint some of these conditions. Mm. You know, oh, I've been tested for this and this. I don't have the root cause of what's going on and nothing's getting better. 
Absolutely. Um, with with testing, I, I know that there's often a, a dichotomy between Eastern medicine and Western medicine. They're, like there's this fight, and like that we should be fighting with each other. Um, <laughs> and ultimately, it's ridiculous that we're fighting with each other to try to prove something. Um, because we're working on the same body, we have the same goals. We just use different lenses to get there. And Western science is is brilliant. I I love science. I love physics. I love chemistry. I love the all. It's 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 brilliant thought behind the explanations for our, our universe, I guess. And but science I've discovered is it's it's not a be all end all. What science is, and or at least my understanding of what science is, is it's just it's a means to explain our universe in a rational, uh, well, scientific method, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to explain it in a way that we can create facts, uh, uh, repeatable processes. But science is only that. It's only what, it's, well, I guess it's only a way to explain the universe. And there's a lot of things that we haven't figured out. And it kind of surprised me at first, you know, I, I remember sitting in, when I was doing the pre-med, I remember sitting in some classes, and they're usually the upper-level science classes. Um, well, I'll give you the example. One was uh, uh, organic chemistry. I was sitting in the very first class of uh, organic chemistry, and um, I was doing the summer the summer sessions, so eight weeks of organic chemistry, or OCHEM 1 and 2, all, all within in eight weeks. So it was a bad <laughs> idea. I'm not going to say it was a good idea at all. But... What surprised me was was the professor. He's he was a visiting professor, but that's what he did. The Ochem was his his thing, and he knew it really well. But he said in the very first class, he's like, "So you're about to go through eight weeks of hell, and I'm going to put out there that everything you're going to learn is theoretical. We don't know if we're doing the right thing." In the back of my mind, I'm like. Wait a minute. What do you mean? You don't, <laughs> you don't. You don't know for sure. You're you're a scientist. You you got to know this for sure. And that that was the assumption I had. Is that, yeah, science is all hard. You know the the hard sciences that were like, oh yeah, that's that's immovable. Huh. At all point or at some point, all science kind of falls off a cliff into the unknown, and that's the limitation. Um, I remember another example of like. Uh, I was in biochem, and we were studying heme folding groups, like in our blood cells. And research professor of 30 years or something like that at CU there, and um, in in biochemistry, and I'm like, okay, this guy, he he knows, and all his information was so over the top, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about half the time. But it was uh, studying these groups, and um, he went from like this one slide to the next slide. He's like, we can model this in a computer. We could see how the proteins fold, but in between these two slides, we don't know what happens. We don't know the process or the energy. There's something that happens. We, we don't know what happens. The computer will do it, but there's some unexplained things. Oh, wow. And once again, I'm thinking, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> how is it possible that you don't know? Yeah. You're, you're a scientist. You know, you're a research scientist of 30 years or something, and you're top of the field, and you don't know. I guess it just proved to me that, um, or just showed me or revealed that, yeah, we don't know. There's things in this world, in this universe, we just simply do not know. And we often don't have the tests to test those things. And that's where we come up short, because there are so many things in the body we do not know. There's millions of things about the body that we still don't know. There's a lot we do know. Yeah. 
I guess some of the examples of like, for instance, we can't we we can't grow anything. Like uh, we kind of test tube grow lab stuff or whatever, but yeah. we always have to start with some material. We can't just come up with all right, we're going to start with some real basic atoms or something, and then we're going to combine them and create a human. Yeah. It's like all our genetic testing has always used other other components that are already there. Um, and so it tells me, it's like we there are answers that need to be had. Yeah. And that's where we use science. We utilize science and the tools of science to figure out those answers. But sometimes we don't have the lens or we don't have the tests or we don't have the, the knowledge even to understand what that is. I love that you say that, that we look at it with different lenses to get to the same goal. And that really resonates with me. It makes sense why acupuncture works for me and how many, all the patients that I've referred out to yeah. them too. It makes sense. <clears throat> well, a lot of the, uh, if you look at the, like the lenses, um, the acupuncture lens is, is a different lens. A lot of people say that uh, acupuncture is archaic and it's non-scientific and I would disagree because it's it's very much a science that's based in in old history yeah. and, and and somewhat culture too uh, two to five thousand years ago it's all based on our observation they didn't have scans they didn't have ways to look internally they didn't have ways to measure blood um, serum levels or whatever um, that wasn't possible so it's all about observation but the thing is is that we as humans we can pick up on quite a bit more than I think we give give ourselves credit for instance when I'm when I'm assessing somebody a lot of my assessment because um, I don't have the tools I don't have those blood tests um, sometimes people come in with them um, sometimes people have their scans whatever yeah. but for the most part they don't they don't have those things available right at the initial assessment so I have to use the tools that the that the old practitioners used um, such as observation our ability to observe each other we actually know when when we're off and if we look closely enough Yes, uh, even the lay person would, would be able to see, yeah, that person's not moving in the right way. In pain situations, which is the most common, I guess, yeah, people will hold themselves to compensate around injury because if they don't, it hurts, <laughs> essentially. Mm, yeah. Over long periods of time, that becomes inappropriate, and you don't have to hold yourself, but people still do because yeah. they, they just, yeah, they don't want to hurt, so they're, they're still avoiding it. But that, that's absolutely reflected in the way they move. Yeah. People have holds. And this is just one example of like, yes, I don't have a scan to see, yeah, that's broken, but I could absolutely see there's something wrong. And like, let's say your hip was not right. You're not going to move correctly. You're not going to walk correctly. You hold things and you might hold one side or something. Yeah. And that's all, that's always revealed. The hmm. body will always reveal that. And um, it's just a matter of, as me as a practitioner, to have the... The lens, and also to be, um, I guess, lack of a better way to describe it, to be quiet enough to hear that, to mm. to mm. to be able to observe those things in in a way that I could get a a palpable amount of information back. So yeah, the sight is one observation. I do things like pulses, mm -hmm. and I've been taught that checking the pulse will give certain indications about the body through the lens of Chinese medicine. And, um, yeah, I'll check both sides and, uh, and three positions and three different levels of pulse. Hmm. And, um, and it's kind of weird because sometimes, uh, 
different trainings will will come into play. For instance, I, I was trained in EMS, so I have had some EMS-style uh, uh, situations where that type of training overrode my acupuncture training. I'm like, okay, we've got to stop this, and we've got to go more that EMS route. Yeah. And it's a slightly different lens, but it's the same body. And so it's just a matter of what are the goals of the assessments, you know? Hmm. I like and, that approach. And it just, it changes. And really, I think as practitioners, we have to be, like, like I said, we have to be receptive enough to be able to hear what the patient is telling us. Mm-hmm. Because the patient is always telling us what's wrong. Hmm. Um, and we just have to have the lens to see it. And that's why I like to spend a lot of time with you. <laughs> because uh, I, I usually can't see it within a few minutes. Uh, I mean, I could see the, the major things. Yeah, you're hurting. Yeah, you, you don't move in the right way. Yeah, in a few minutes, I could probably see that yeah. that imbalance. But if you've got a digestive something, let's suss that out. Because there are many different ways to get to that ailment, per se. Hmm. I like that approach. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I have... A hundred other questions I would love to ask you, <laughs> sure. but I want to be cognizant of your time. I know you've got something after this today. At some point, I would love to bring you back and have you talk about herbs. But real quick, could mm-hmm. you touch on who you think would benefit from acupuncture as a treatment? And I would love to hear also what you think one thing our listener could get into to do either at home or with what kind of frequency would you find would be helpful to help reduce those consistent stress patterns that you see in most patients? Sure. We'll go backwards here. Um, <laughs> as far as like uh, things that people can absolutely do right now is find, I would say find stillness, quite honestly. Often I feel like we lose our connections with our body we lose the ability to understand what's wrong with us until it's screaming at us, uh, until our body's like shouting so loud that we have no other choice but to listen to it. Mm. Um, and usually it's <laughs> it's not very fun to live that, that yes. life once you get there. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend slowing down, being able to reduce the stress. Uh, and, and that's easier said than done because we live in some we live in a fast-paced world where we have to force ourselves to do many things and we're kind of that's the way it lives well and i think i've actually been playing with a little bit of meditation and over the last couple weeks and i think everybody's slowdown looks different Mm -hmm. and so then it's a matter of kind of trial and error trying to figure out you know can i just sit still and clear my mind and that doesn't work for everybody or does i know you had mentioned a technique of stillness mm-hmm. and if you wouldn't mind describing that real quick I would love to hear a little bit about what works yeah. for you so I do um, I recommend the stillness exercise um, a lot of people call it a meditation every time I've called it a meditation it screws me up so <laughs> I call it an exercise so this exercise is is truly to find relaxation because that's the only goal for this exercise essentially is to relax there are some secondary things you can do some um, visualization techniques whatever but for this one um, i've got a few rules one uh, there's four rules to set up Uh, the first rule is to find a place if you fell asleep you'd be comfortable you know so laying down nice chair whatever Um, second rule is breathing it doesn't matter what you do. Whatever okay. comes, comes. If you hold your breath, that's fine. If you shallow breath, that's fine. Deep breaths, that's fine. <laughs> Don't concentrate on the breathing. This is not that exercise. Third rule, thoughts. Same things. 
whatever thoughts come, they come, you let them come, and then you let them go. Mm. Once again, this is not the exercise to figure out your your life, essentially. It's not this exercise. That, <laughs> that's for a different time. <laughs> and then the fourth rule is if you need to adjust, if you need to move around, get comfy, then yeah, you 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 do so freely. So the once you've found your spot and you're, you're in position to start, the first 30 seconds minute, you want to go for absolute stillness. And I, I describe it like you've gotten frozen in time and you literally try to be as still as possible for, I don't know, first 30 seconds or a minute. And then when you find stillness or you feel like you found stillness, that's when you start the exercise, the relaxation exercise. And remember, one goal and one goal only is to relax. Let all your thoughts go. Let the breath go. Whatever. Yeah. Not your not your goal. So I start one one part at a time and make sure that part's not too big. So I usually start head to toe. Okay. And I focus on the, the starting point is I focus on the crown of my head. And a circle maybe, I don't know, I pick a circle, let's say four inches in diameter okay. on the crown of my head. Whatever it is for you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just some small part. And my only goal is to relax that one part. And you could use you could use some countdown techniques. Some people like to do a ten to zero technique, every number getting more relaxed. Uh, I personally like to just relax it using encouraging words, if you will, uh, yeah. such as "I'm going to soften that spot," or "I'm mm-hmm. going to let that spot melt," okay. or "It's going to become heavy," or "I'm going to just relax that spot." Yeah. Um, whatever words resonate for you, that's the word you use. And ultimately, you're only going to relax and focus on that one spot. And however much time you want to take, that's however much time it takes. Yeah. When you feel like that one spot's relaxed, you move on to the next spot. And it, like I said, one spot at a time and just not too big. Okay. So I, I recommend a lot of the things we hold tension in, um, forehead, yeah. face especially. Some big ones are uh, eyebrows, eyelids, eyes themselves, corners of mouth, the jaw, and this one was profound for me, but your tongue. <laughs> oh, Being able to relax your tongue. Your tongue is a huge muscle, and it holds a lot of tension. The first time I did it, I felt like I was going to choke on my tongue. Because <laughs> you're like, God, this thing is like huge. It's, it's stuffed heavy in my whole and... throat. And, um, but yes, the, the tongue is big. The goal here is to work head to toe or whatever. Uh, there is ultimately, you don't have to hit any of these parts there's no hard rule that you have to hit certain parts it's whatever you choose yep and that's the right order <laughs> it's really relaxation is the goal keep on relaxing your goal is to really get yourself down to what we call an alpha brainwave state which is that state halfway awake halfway asleep mm-hmm. and um, that is a great meditative state and that's the state that you if you haven't fallen asleep by this point um, <laughs> have the ability to connect with yourself and you can hear your body you can speak kind of, I know it sounds kind of like out there, but basically you, you have the ability to communicate with yourself because you don't have the, the ego shouting at you of what to believe anymore. Because I, I feel like the ego doesn't really have a good place at the table when you're in this mind state. It's just, it's kind of there. It'll still kind of knock at the door, but it's not predominant. So you hear, you hear yourself. And in that state, you can ask yourself many things. Often I'll go in there and be like, why is this hurting, you know, or, or why am I dealing with this stressful situation or why am I struggling with this situation? And often I'll, I'll find the answer because I'm 
calm enough, relaxed enough to to hear myself. Uh-huh. And sometimes the answers are, are not what I think they are, <laughs> especially when I ask my body, like, what's wrong with this situation? And often the answers come in a subtle way, and it's usually like a, in a fleeting thought, uh-huh. and it's usually something weird. It's like, oh, it's because you're stressed out in this one thing, and you're holding on to it. And I'm like, that's weird. I don't know why that would translate it to a back problem or something, you know? Yeah. But it does. It's uh, truly often... Like I said, your body knows your body knows the problem. Your body knows the answers. It's a matter of if we're willing to listen to what it has to say. That's super interesting. And I'm sitting over here on the other end mm-hmm. of the table trying to be really still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and now absolutely. feeling the heaviness of my tongue in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, what would you recommend in terms of frequency? Do you say, is that a once-a-day activity that would help? Do you mm-hmm. find people... Do short spurts throughout the day and that helps, or do you just kind of find your own? I would say find it as often as you can mm-hmm. and um, wherever you can. If you have a, a comfortable space, you can do it, a comfortable chair. It doesn't have to be an hour-long session. It doesn't have to be a half hour. It can be three minutes of your time, and you can spend three minutes just focusing on being still mm-hmm. and relaxing one thing. Because ultimately, this is a focused relaxation technique, and you use your body parts just to give yourself something to do, perhaps. <laughs> because I know for myself, when I've tried to do quote-unquote meditations or relaxation, medi- I, I, I suck at it. I, yeah. I go down a path, I get lost, and then I forget what I'm doing, yep. and, and it doesn't work. But if I do one thing at a time and just focus on that, and then I move on to the next thing, then usually it works. Um, then I could get somewhere. And so I would recommend, especially in this day and age, do it as often as you can, as many times as you can, just to relax, because there's plenty of things that are pushing you to not relax (laughs) throughout your day. That is great. Thank you so much for that, Isaac. I have one more question. Yeah, of course. And then if there's anything I I left out, I would love for you to interject. This is a personal question. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your favorite skincare product? Ah, skin. I, I was actually thinking about this. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't have any, like, actual skincare products that I use, but um, things that I do to actually take care of the skin. And so awesome. Some of the, uh, a lot of these are, are based within acupuncture land. So I, I absolutely do acupuncture, you know. It's like, um, well, I'll give you kind of an extreme example. If I have an injury to the skin, you know, scrape, um, at certain points I'll, I'll hit it up with acupuncture. I'll surround it, promote healing in the area cupping and gua sha are actually big things Uh, i don't know uh, gua sha is a a scraping technique that's used in chinese medicine i've actually seen it uh, come up quite a bit in facial stuff Uh, uh, facial cupping is really big Mm. Um, facial gua sha is really big Um, the gua sha and cupping you have to just be a little bit cautious that you don't give yourself induced bruises (laughs) essentially (laughs) because you absolutely have that that ability but and then I was thinking about like overall like products and I would say that I don't have one specific thing. I try to keep my body in a balance. Okay. And that's really the best thing that I could do for my skin mm-hmm. um, as a, so it's not necessarily a product but it's it's trying to balance out those things. It, it, I mean it's you probably heard it a million times mind uh, spirit and uh, body essentially that we try to balance out but essentially that's 
where I try to lie because when things become unbalanced, that's when things become a problem for me. And uh, I personally, if I get sick, for instance, I will vent things through my skin. Uh, maybe it's an acne spot or something, or it, it looks like an acne spot. Uh, and I, I know it's often related to a cold, and I'll be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but if I'm out of balance, or uh, then those things would happen to me more often. Um, when I'm in balance, then yeah, I don't have the issues uh, on the skin. I won't have the acne. Yeah, it, they just don't manifest because the skin is always, uh, it's always trying to work to vent things out. Um, it's our biggest organ in the body, and it's constantly letting things go. <laughs> you know, so much goes out of our skin. Uh, every second of of time in our day, and when things become, I guess pores become clogged, or, or I'm not even sure all the things that uh, that allow the, <laughs> the, the bad stuff to come out. Yeah. But yeah, those processes absolutely become hindered, and disease or disease happens. And we've all had those instances. Uh, I'm sure we've all had some acne, or if. Most of us. Rashes is, yeah, Yeah. dermatitis. And they're all an indication that something's going on. Mm. And the skin, because it's such a large organ, it will absolutely tell you what's going on. And if you know how to look at it and where it is and how to recognize that, then you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's there, but it's probably related to this system Uh or whatever. Um, And it happens to come out of the skin in this part of the body. For instance, like, Facial acne. Uh, I see facial acne as often a lot of digestive stuff. And, and yes, we've heard scientific like uh, reports, yeah, digestion has a, a big uh, influence on acne. But the stomach channel goes through the face quite a bit. And so, yeah, when the stomach's inflamed or I see that as a, as a thing, then, yeah, often it will be venting through the face as, as acne. That is so cool. Isaac, I wasn't, when I wrote this question down for you, I I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not sure where he's going to go with this. (laughs) But that's the, that's a brilliant way to think of it. And it's healing from the inside out, which again is why I send a handful of my patients. Well, that's it. It's uh, Well, I was also thinking about it and um, I was thinking something like, uh, like I said, acupuncture is something I use, but as far as the skin, microneedling is actually a is, is essentially a form of acupuncture, and uh, oh. I know you do microneedling here with the the, the RF. Um, and yeah, when when someone does microneedling, essentially acupuncture, you are stimulating the body's uh, healing response. You know, yeah. and, and microneedling is often the goal is to stimulate the collagen response, but it also stimulates a lot of other things. Like if you're doing facial stuff, you're hitting acupoints essentially, and you will also help digestion probably. People's digestion, if they're getting a bunch of microneedling, their digestion improves because you are hitting those those points. If you're doing stuff like, a, and you probably don't realize, like if you're doing stuff maybe around their stomach, you know, maybe for scar, yeah. scar therapy, you are hitting points wow. and you are also improving somebody's uh, balance because you're activating their well you're activating their their natural immune healing response and that's how we get from point a to point b i guess so are you saying that i'm a natural acupuncturist i feel like (laughs) you just just gave me a a huge promotion there isaac yeah well 
a lot of times the as you treat the body and just because you're treating the skin doesn't mean you're also not treating below yeah. because I've seen examples of uh, and, and this is in acupuncture treatments people doing really superficial acupuncture treatments mm -hmm. and they work really well and you're mm. like but you barely pierce the skin in fact I've seen a treatment where they didn't actually pierce the skin they brought the needle and this is a Japanese style of, of acupuncture where they bring the needle down to a point and they basically I, I don't know if they actually touched the needle to the point or if they just brought it super close and then they remove the needle and you're like but you didn't do anything whoa but the patient on the table absolutely got results. Wow. Um, now, there's a whole bunch of arguments, and I'm sure we could go down many, many avenues <laughs> of like, oh, is it placebo? You know, mm -hmm. is it, uh, what was it? And we can have, I'm sure, thousands of hours of discussion. I'm like, well, what was it? Yeah. But I guess my point here is that I see lots of evidence that, well, one, that the, the the body is always connected. There's no separation from any part of the body. And to think so, I think, is to be misinformed, mm. you know, um, or to think in, a, in an incomplete way. The skin is absolutely huge on being to, able to influence the whole body. Um, and it can adjust the body through very minimal um, interaction such as like these uh, craniosacral people or even osteopathic manipulative method uh, where the touch is so light and mm -hmm. you're like, you're not doing anything, but they absolutely are. Now, wow. I've personally had some of those treatments and absolutely done some great stuff. And it's because the skin is reactive. There's many receptors in the skin that will absolutely translate more signals that translate to more signaling that connect to deeper things in the body. So you're always treating yourself from the in, uh, outside in, in, mm -hmm. in that sense, when you're treating the skin. And so I guess I'm getting kind of lost because it's, it's, it's all connected here. It's like the outside treats the inside, the inside treats the outside. We often have a very compartmentalized way of trying to heal ourselves. And yeah, to a certain extent, it works. You know, like when we try to do like a facial treatment or something, yeah, we'll try to get products that will concentrate on the face but if you are not in, uh, balancing out the rest of it then you're not going to get the results that mm -hmm. you want and that goes with all healthcare. you know it's like you can take the the medications to fix the stomach problem but that's not fixing the problem per se you got to balance out the rest of the systems in order for you to sit in that space better you know uh, if, if you will <laughs> yeah isaac i think that's a great message and and i really do support that and it's something I incorporate here in the clinic as well. And I, I really appreciate all of your thoughts. And um, I know we've, we've got to be cognizant of your time. But thank you so much for coming out and explaining all of these different processes, giving kind of an insight into what acupuncture looks like and how our listener can really resonate and figure out, you know, how, how this pieces together. Yeah get some relief in some areas yeah and I, I truly believe that that people don't have to hurt as bad or have as much stress in their life or have the digestive imbalances or or whatever i just don't believe people have to have the negative experiences in their life as as much as i think that people do yeah. um and well i see it through the lens of acupuncture and treatments through acupuncture that you absolutely can reach better balances with perhaps not even what one might perceive as that much work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's sure there's a, a, a self patient component to it, but there's also sometimes where you just need a little help from your friends and and uh, such as other practitioners, and mm-hmm. they can help you get over those speed bumps. Um, and that's hopefully the 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 reason why you're going there, so you can get that extra little boost in order to heal yourself. So that's great. Thank you so much. I would love yeah. to have you back on the podcast because yeah. I have. 14 other things right on this (laughs) sheet of paper that I would love to go over with you. But I think this is super valuable. It's very valuable for me. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you, well, down the hall, really. (laughs) (laughs) But also, again, on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it was a a really good time. Let's do it again. (laughs) Yes, we will. Thanks, Isaac. (laughs) Oh, I so hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm grateful that you're here. If you found value in this conversation, I would so appreciate if you could share this podcast with a friend or a family member or someone you work with who may also resonate with the message. My main mission in starting this podcast is that I would like to connect the dots in helping people realize Health is within our control and there are things that we can do and tools we can use and experts that we can see who can help us with healthy mindsets, who can help us with mobility and longevity of the body. All of these little pieces are so important in our well-being and I would love if you found value here if you wouldn't mind sharing it with someone you would find, could find value as well. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Have a wonderful day.